You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 118, and I'd like to read this verse for us to get us started. The Bible says in verse number 8 of Psalm 118, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen. In Bible college, I first heard it, but uh, preach the preacher is what I've heard. And uh, if you say amen, I promise you it will not offend me. As a matter of fact, it will encourage me that, uh, that you're listening. And so it is okay to say amen. It is better, verse 9, to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. We have the Word of God this morning, and uh, we're going to look at uh, some comparisons that the Bible gives us. And we're, u- we're focusing in on th- this uh, comparison of using the word better than, better than. The title is, What's Better? And so we're going to look at some Bible comparisons this morning. And uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the message. Lord, thank you so much uh, already for a good Sunday in your house. I'm encouraged by your people coming to church today. I'm encouraged by visitors, Lord. I'm, enc- I'm encouraged just to have a good Sunday school hour and uh, to hear the choir sing and the congregation sing. And so, Lord, as we open your word now, I pray uh, that you would meet with us in a special way. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts directly so that we can be obedient and apply it uh, to our daily lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You might have heard of the game before, and, and uh, we've uh, played it with our teens before, not regularly, but we have played it. And the game is called Would You Rather. Would you, who's heard of that game before? You're given kind of a scenario, would you rather this or this, right? And so I have some would you rather uh, questions for us this morning. And we won't take too much time, but it'll get us to think a little bit. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always 20 minutes early? And I'm on the early side. Uh, I think it's probably good to be 20 minutes early to things. Uh, as a matter of fact, being 20 minutes early is probably being on time, right? We have, would you rather never eat watermelon ever again or have to eat watermelon with every meal? That's a hard one. Not for me, though. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of watermelon, so uh, I would say, you know what, it's okay if I don't eat it ever again. But I know we're in the South, North Carolina, and I know we have some watermelon lovers in here. Anybody like some watermelon? And it'd be okay if you had to have it with every meal, right? Would you rather have super speed or super strength? I asked my wife this yesterday, and she, without hesitation, said super speed. She said super speed, and I'm thankful because if she said super strength, I'd be watching my back everywhere I went. Uh, But uh, super speed to get some things done around the house, and that's good. But uh, here's another one. Would you rather uh, be stranded in the jungle or in the desert? And uh, I'd say jungle for me. I I think I'd be, uh, there's probably a little more food source there in the jungle than in the desert. And uh, so anyway, one one way to compare things, and obviously that's a comparing game, and and that could get you thinking. That could also uh, uh, spark a really heated debate sometimes um, with that game, Would You Rather? But as we compare things that are better than other things, we use the word better than. For example, I'm probably going to regret saying some of this. Chevrolet is better than Ford. 
I'm, I'm just reading my notes here. I, I don't know if it's my opinion or not. Chick-fil-A is better than Popeye's. Starbucks is better than Dunkin'. Mac is better than Microsoft. That was kind of weak on that one, so we have some Microsoft lovers there, or people who have no idea what Mac or Microsoft is, either one, that's fine. Our son Michael, he's four years old, and he, he is in that phase where he just, he loves making sure that everything is a competition. And it's probably just him being a boy, for sure. I was probably the same way. But I mean, literally everything, Breath, uh, brushing your teeth is a competition. Uh, finishing your meal first is a competition. I said, Emma, I beat you. I beat you, Emma. Amen. Getting ready for bed is a competition. Getting, getting on his pajamas, even though he's like way ahead of her, he just wants to make sure that Emma knows that he beat her. <laughs> and so Michael, he's, he's making sure that everything, even, even just the uh, racing down the hall, like run down the hall and, uh, Emma, I'm faster than you are. And I want to say to him, Michael, I hope you are. <laughs> I mean, she's two years old. You're four. I'd be worried if it was the other way around. And sometimes uh, Emma can hold her own sometimes as well. Uh, but uh, Michael is into comparing himself for sure uh, to Emma and uh, always in competition. But throughout Scripture, we find comparisons using the word better than. For example, in Ecclesiastes, we find sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. This morning I'd like to focus on, and we already read our first comparison of the morning, and uh, I have five comparisons for us so you can kind of gauge where we're at in the message. There's five of them. We'll start with number one. Trusting God is better than trusting man. Trusting God is always better than trusting man. Would you turn with me uh, back to Psalm 94? I love reading the Psalms because we see um, really an insight to, to David's heart and, and the other psalmist here. But he loves to expound upon how great our God is. And I love reading the Psalms where it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And uh, so we have here in Psalm 94, starting in verse number 9, the Bible says here, He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. May I say this morning that trusting God is so much better than trusting man. We find Naaman the leper. Naaman, in 2 Kings chapter 5, in verse 1, were given his reputation. He's, he's an incredible uh, Syrian captain. And, and he has the reputation with the people. They just think he is, he is the greatest. Man, he is the man. I mean, they're just so impressed with him. The Bible says in that first verse of 2 Kings 5 that God even used Naaman uh, for judgment on Israel. He allowed Naaman to be that conqueror. And so Naaman, for sure, he has a big head. Naaman, for sure, has some pride in his heart for his position. But the end of verse number one says that even though he has his great reputation... The Bible says, but he was a leper. And he had to go into enemy territory by the advice of his little servant girl. And he goes and he finds Elisha, the man of God. And expecting Elisha just to, you know, strike the place and say, be healed. He didn't find that. When he came and came up to uh, Elisha's door there with his whole 
parade with him. He had all his riches, all his servants, and, and everybody to back him up. Man, he knocked on Elisha's door, and he's thinking, Elisha is probably going to be so glad to see me, to meet the, the Syrian captain. And uh, so he knocks on the door, and someone opens, but it's not Elisha. It's his servant, Gehazi. And Gehazi tells Naaman, Naaman, Elisha told me to tell you that if you want to be cured of your leprosy, you must go to the Jordan River and dip seven times, and then it will be gone. To any of us, hopefully, without, you know, pride aside, we would think, if I have to go to a river and dip seven times and be healed of this terrible skin disease, count me in. I'll do it. But yet Naaman, the Bible says that very next verse that he was wroth. Man, he went away in a rage. I cannot believe that, that Elisha didn't even say hi to me. I mean, I am the Syrian captain. I could wipe out this whole, whole nation if I just snap my fingers. I cannot believe that Elisha didn't even want to say hi to me. And I cannot believe that his instructions for me were so demeaning that he would ask me, he would dare ask the Syrian captain to go and wash in the muddy Jordan River. His servant said, well, uh, Naaman, calm down. It's okay. Think about it. If, if he were to ask you to do some great thing, wouldn't you do it? All, all Elisha's servant is, is telling you to do is go wash and be clean. Naaman, after he calmed down a little bit, you know, that's probably worth a try. Let's go ahead and do that. And when Naaman chose to do things God's way, that seventh time coming out of the water, the Bible says his skin was like a baby's skin. I mean, it was soft, it was, it was clear of leprosy, and it was brand new. Naaman found out, kind of the hard way, but he found out that God's ways are better than man's ways. He thought, for sure, why would I go and wash in a dirty river to be clean? Why, why can't I just go to the rivers of, of Syria? Man, they're so much cleaner. But yet, when he chose to do things God's way, even though it doesn't always make sense, God answered in a way that only he can. Trusting God is better than trusting man. Man is finite. God is infinite. Man is flawed, but God is perfect. Man is fickle, always changing our mind, always changing, but God never changes. Man will forsake you, but God is faithful. Man will fail you, but God is victorious. Man is mortal, but God is eternal. I love the song, Jesus never fails. Earthly friends may prove untrue. Doubts and fears assail. One still loves and cares for you. One who will not fail. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. It's always better to trust God because he is the one that is always going to be victorious. Number two, so we have the first comparison. Trusting God is better than trusting man. Number two, we find it in 1 Samuel 15. And if you'd like to turn there, I invite you to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We find King Ahab, uh, not King Ahab, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And he was given clear, crystal clear instructions by God to completely and utterly destroy the Amalekites. They go to battle against the Amalekites. And what does Saul do? Well, he completely gets rid of the Amalekites, but he spares the king and he spares the best of the flocks. Now, Samuel is coming to Saul upon this situation, and, and the Lord already told Samuel all about it. He knows exactly what he's getting into. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, 
Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You see, why, why Saul chose to spare the best of the flock was because, well, I, I spared them because I wanted to sacrifice them to God, you know, to, to, to show God I'm thankful. But Samuel's teaching Saul a lesson here, and it's a vital lesson for him because he'll no longer be king. The Bible says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken, to listen, than the fat of rams. So number two comparison this morning is obedience to God is better than sacrifice to God. Obedience to God is better than sacrifice to God. God told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites, but he didn't obey. Is sacrificing to God a bad thing? No. It's actually a very good thing. And as Christians, we ought to sacrifice for God, whether that be sacrificing monetarily, whether that be sacrificing our time, our ability, our effort. But we as Christians, we, we ought to, and we're commanded to sacrifice and to make sacrifices and, and to offer things to God. But that does not come above obeying God. That does not come in place of making sure that you're doing what God has initially told you to do. We find another account, Jehu, in the Bible. Jehu was one who was anointed king of Israel. And Jehu... Uh, he was anointed king of Israel when there was already a king of Israel. But the purpose was that God was going to use Jehu to execute judgment on the house of Ahab for his wickedness. Ahab and Jezebel. We, we're familiar with Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, a wicked woman, Jezebel, caused uh, Israel to sin. And uh, so we have Jehu, and, and he, he was gung-ho about it. He was given his mission. Okay, I, I'm supposed to, to take out, I'm supposed to kill the king of Judah the king of Israel, because they're of the house of Ahab. I'm supposed to kill 70 sons of Ahab. I'm supposed to kill and, and, and uh, uh, Jezebel and execute God's judgment that was long awaited. God was patient enough to let, let uh, uh, these years pass by, but now God's judgment is coming down, and he's using the man Jehu. And Jehu did it, and Jehu was very good at it. And he was excited to do it. Why? Because he drove furiously. I mean, that, that was the description for Jehu. The king of, of Israel is looking out of his window, and he sees Jehu coming, and uh, he says, you know what? I recognize that kind of driving. That's Jehu. Some of, some of you going down the road, maybe someone would recognize, you know what? That's so-and-so, because I, I can tell how they're driving. But Jehu was so gung-ho about doing the work of God. Oh, you want me to do that? I'll do that. I enjoy doing that. I will do that. I'm a mighty warrior. I will do that. But then... Sadly, it comes to the end of Jehu's life where we find out that Jehu never made God personal. Jehu never cared about a personal relationship with God. He cared about going out and doing the work. Sure, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll enjoy doing that. I'll, sure, why not? But he never took God seriously in his heart. The Bible says he still sacrificed and he still worshiped the idols that were in Israel instead of worshiping God. And that came to be a very big fault for him. Could I encourage us, uh, Christians, church family here this morning, we ought to sacrifice for God. We ought to be in the work of the ministry and doing what we can for God. But that doesn't come at the expense of disobeying God. Let, let's make sure that our relationship with God is first and foremost. First of all, if you're not saved, if you don't know Christ is your Savior, you don't know for sure heaven's your home, you need to get that settled this morning. 
And after that, let us make sure that as we walk our Christian walk and we have a personal relationship with the Lord, that we obey what God has initially instructed us to do. How do we do that? Well, we find that out by reading the Bible, by having a walk with God. Obedience to God is better than sacrifice to God. If we're not careful, we can become like Jehu, one who sacrifices to serve God outwardly, but has lost focus of our personal walk with him. Number three, comparison. The wisdom of God is better than the riches of this world. We find this multiple times in the book of Proverbs. Every time we have that comparison of better than. Uh, wisdom is better than riches. We find it time and time again in different forms, but it's always there. Let's read a couple of them here. Uh, in Proverbs 8, you don't have to turn there. I'll just uh, read through them. Uh, Proverbs 8, 11, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs 16, 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Proverbs 16, 19, better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. We also find in Ecclesiastes that wisdom is better than strength and better than the weapons of war. It doesn't matter how glittery the gold is. It doesn't matter how attractive the riches of this world are. What we need to realize is wisdom is valued way above that. To live your life according to the wisdom of God and to practice the wisdom of God is so much better than being rich and having as many uh, eternal possessions or uh, uh, possessions here on earth, for lack of a better word. Riches are deceitful. The love of money is the root of all evil, we find in Scripture. Proverbs 3, 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. Get wisdom. In all thy getting, get wisdom. One cannot simply put a price on wisdom. A simple definition of wisdom or uh, discretion would simply be this. Uh, the ability to choose between right and wrong and doing that which is right. So you know the difference between right and wrong and is actually putting that into practice and choosing to do right. That is the wisdom of God. People can know what's right and wrong and do their own thing. But yet wisdom, discretion from God is simply doing the right thing and knowing the difference between that and the wrong. Could I ask you this morning, what is your main goal in life? What is your main goal in life? As a teenager, getting my first job, I'd have to admit, my goal was to make money because I wanted to buy things. But I learned very quickly that a goal just to make money and to accumulate all that you can in this life We've heard the, the phrase before, there's, there's never a U-Haul behind a hearse because we cannot carry anything out of this life. Could I encourage you this morning, our goal should not be to make money. Our goal shouldn't even be to check all the boxes. I think we get in the habit of, uh, people get in the habit of, uh, okay, I, I got a house, check. I got the cars, check. Got a family, a wife and kids, check. They're getting educated well, check. I'm working on my retirement, check. And we can get so busy checking the boxes and making sure, yep, this life looks fulfilling to me. It looks pretty good according to, to what everybody expects of me. But we fail to realize God has not put us on earth to check boxes. 
God has, for us as Christians, God has given us a specific purpose. God has given us and made us in such a way uniquely so that we can fulfill the exact thing that God has according to his will. For us, we, we got to reach others. There are people that need to be saved. There are people that, that don't know the Lord. They never heard of, of the man named Jesus who died on the cross for their sin. We've got to make sure that we do our part in realizing what God wants us here for. It's not just to check boxes. It's not just to accumulate possessions. And it's okay to do that, but not at the sacrifice of forfeiting your purpose uh, for God in your life. Number four, comparison. I, I've been waiting to get to this one. This is, this, this is one I've been looking forward to. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. You may know the, the theme of Hebrews, and that's exactly what this comparison is going to be. We find that uh, trusting God is better than trusting man. Obedience to God is better than sacrificing to God. And the wisdom of God is better than the riches of the world. But number four, I love this one. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, God, who at sun-dry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his, what? Son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, Jesus is God in the flesh, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had uh, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made, here it is, so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better, period. Jesus is better. We find in, in the first part of Hebrews that it lays out Jesus is better than the angels. I say that's probably one of, one of the greatest creations of God is, is, is the, the spiritual realm of, of the angels and a crowning creation of God is man. And, and as, we consider, as we consider all that was made on this earth, man, day one, day and night, day two, sky and water, day three, dry land and plants, day four, sun, moon and stars, day five, fish and birds, day six, man and animals, we look at creation, we take it under a microscope and see just how intricate the design is. We see just how delicate the balance of nature is and the balance of our solar system. And we are amazed and we're, we're in wonder and in awe that God would create such a wonderful creation. But above all that, above creation is Jesus. Amen. Above creation is the creator. We find in Genesis chapter 1, say the first four words of the Bible with me, ready? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, Jesus, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and darkness uh, comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, 
which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were not born, uh, not of blood, but, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Could I say, Jesus is better. Amen. Jesus is better than anything. Jesus is better than creation. Jesus is better than anything that this world has to offer. If I were given a choice to choose Jesus or anything else, I would choose Jesus. My friends, Jesus is the answer for today. Jesus is always the answer. I love the, the song that the choir uh, sings. Jesus is still the answer. That, that first verse goes, Some men try so hard to prove that God's not really uh, real, while others say they know for sure his love you cannot feel. But I know it's real within my soul, for one day he cleansed me and made me whole. And Jesus is still the answer for the longing deep in your soul. The chorus goes, Jesus is still the answer. And though time and ages roll, Jesus is still the answer. He's the answer for your soul. And though some may say he doesn't fit with their philosophy, I know Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and always will be. Some men pretend that the things of this world have brought them peace of mind. But with the dawn of each new day, new thrills they try to find. But not until they meet the Prince of Peace can they ever hope to find relief. And Jesus is still the answer for a world that's seeking for peace. Jesus is better. Jesus is still the answer. I remember uh, Hunter Connell uh, back in the, the teen group, and uh, we would ask questions, and we still do, the do you know questions. And it's some random question that uh, you probably don't know the answer to, but we just give guesses. And uh, Hunter was smart, and uh, I, we, we asked that uh, years ago. And um, his answer, he raised his hand pr pretty quickly. I'm like, wow, that's all right, he's ready. He's got the answer. I said, all right, Hunter, what's the answer to the question? He said, Jesus. He said, Jesus is the answer. Well, that's, that's pretty smart there, Hunter. Uh, it's not the answer for this question, but I tell you what, Jesus, he's always the answer. That, that was pretty smart. And uh, I, I generally, he would say that often, and I, I give him a piece of candy every now and then because I, I love that answer. But I will say this, and uh, students that are in here uh, in school, I'm just going to warn you now, don't try it on your teachers, all right? Two plus two does not equal Jesus, okay? Uh, but Jesus is still the answer, and I'm so glad that Jesus is better than anything we could, uh, that we could choose, any alternate. Number five, when we'll be done, we might get done early. We got done a little early in the, the early service. Number five, this one is uh, probably the hardest to apply and uh, probably the most difficult to achieve and to stay true to, but I'd like to use it this morning. The Bible gives it to us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Would you turn there just one more time? 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 16, the Bible says this, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed at uh, that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Here's our comparison in verse 17. For it is better, 
If the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Our last comparison for this morning is this. Suffering for God is better than suffering for sin. Suffering for God is better than suffering for sin. It goes hands in, uh, hand in hand with choosing Jesus. Jesus is better, and suffering for him is better than choosing to deny him and suffer for your sin. Living your life for Christ is worth it. Can I hear an amen there? Is it worth it? There has never been a day in my life where I've regretted getting saved. There have been days when I've been discouraged, and there have been days where I've even maybe doubted, am I saved? But yet, I will say this, as I go back and I remember that day at teen camp when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I have never regretted that decision. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worth it, living for him. It's, it's worth anything this world has to offer. Suffering for him is even better than suffering and just going on with your life without him. The apostles were starting this church here in the book of Acts, the first church. And upon this rock, I'll build my church, Jesus, as the foundation. And they were going house to house. They're going into the temple, and they were preaching Jesus every single day. The Pharisees and the religious scholars of that day, they hated it. Just like they hated Jesus, they hated these apostles for, for preaching Jesus. And so they, they put them into prison. They're thinking, what, what shall we do to get these people to stop talking about Jesus? I mean, they've literally turned the world upside down. Everybody, everybody is going to hear about Jesus. How can we stop this? They thought within themselves, and they're trying to reason. And we find in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, the Bible says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, that was their solution, we'll just beat them up, and then we'll let them go. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, this is amazing. Suffering for Jesus, getting beaten for the, the cause of Christ, they leave that place being told never to speak of Jesus again. They leave rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily, they didn't stop, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Living for Jesus is worth it. And it's worth it even to the point if we have to suffer for him. Maybe you've been in a situation where someone who hates God and is, at, is bitter at God and therefore is bitter at you for being a Christian. Man, they attack you. They try to discourage you. They try to get you to throw in the towel. And you go through some hard times like that. May I say I'm thankful that uh, we live in a country who still has freedoms. Amen. I'm thankful that we live in America where I, I'm preaching from God's word and, and we're not being thrown in jail this morning. You know, there are some countries, even in Canada, our neighbors, that they, were, they are actively throwing preachers in prison for preaching the word of God. Right. And I'm thankful we have those freedoms. And I'm thankful that we have some pastors in Canada that are willing to go to jail for the cause of Christ. We should, and, and hopefully, and I pray that it never comes to this, but maybe it will when we lose our freedoms here in America. We lose our freedom to freely just take this Bible everywhere we go. We lose our freedom to speak the truth that's in this Bible. We lose our freedom to preach Jesus to someone who needs him. I hope that we all in here today would say, you know what? Living a life that's even spent for Jesus 
and losing your life for him is worth it. It's better than the alternative, living a life without Christ and regretting it for eternity. But I encourage you this morning, church family, suffering, even though it's not enjoyable, it's necessary. Suffering for God is better than suffering for sin. So how can we learn from all these comparisons? I have just two simple points, these five put into two. Number one, it's better to trust and obey God above all else. And number two, choosing Jesus over the things of this world is worth the sacrifice. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.